pushing the boundaries of expectations, rewriting the rules of adventure are the reasons we get up in the morning. We share your hunger for a life without limits. Hello, KBs, and welcome back for another session of being edified and celebration and encouragement right here where you are champions. So glad to have all of you guys back with us today. StephenCanyon.com is the website. And if there is someone that you know who you just absolutely know would benefit from these podcasts, please share this with them. Hello, Miss Maggie. Hello, Mr. Kenyon. Greetings into the new week, my friend. Wow, what a weekend. What a powerful weekend. I feel restored and fulfilled. Mm. What do you think? Mm. What do you think okay. about the movie Little Mermaid? <laughs> I, because I know you love the music from it. And I, I only bring it up because, well, <laughs> right before the podcast, we we kind of got carried away with uh, some of the the uh, memories from them. And it's, it was hilarious. <laughs> you are so funny. You're funny. You're the one that's funny. Keep singing, my little friend. I was like, ah. Uh, keep singing. So <laughs> I could be all the characters in Little Mermaid. Uh, yeah, I, you know, when that first came out, I got to say, I did enjoy it. They are I doing, like all the music they're working currently on a live action. And it looks no amazing. Way. Yeah, it looks amazing. For reals? For reals. Not animated. No, live action. <clears throat> and the they've posted a few photos from it. It looks very cool. The original story, the little yeah, with the music and everything. Is it the Littlest Mermaid or the no, Little Mermaid? The Little Mermaid. Well, something else was the Littlest something. I don't know. Maybe what you're that was talking an, about. maybe that was an angel or something. I don't. I don't know. You you watch some like Fringe, Little Mermaid. <laughs> the Littlest Mermaid. <laughs> the teeniest, tiniest mermaid. Uh, yeah. So um, I I have to say that I loved all the Disney movies growing up just because of the music. I was. A singing machine. Wasn't it something up. about getting back into my big silver pot? Something, the guy was it the chef? Was that in the Little Mermaid? Was that something different? No, that sounds right. The the, the, the chef, the the cook, the guy singing. The uh, uh, the crab, the <clears throat> lobster, the yeah, that was gosh, that. what was his name? Oh, jeez, gotta be well, there kidding. There's there flounder, and then there was um, the Little Mermaid. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm looking it up. No, don't do that. I have to. The cook's name? Oh, hey, Little Mermaid. Flounder and the, I don't know. Well, there what was a bunch his, of fish. I can feel everyone yelling it at me because it's so obvious. Oh, Sebastian. Sebastian. Sebastian was, yeah. was the one with the big silver pot. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, I don't remember that part. Speaking I think of you're questions, right. it's been in the media quite a bit over the last year. And I was just, I was going to ask you earlier today, and you were doing something else, but do okay. you think that aliens exist? Take as, much t- take as much time as you need. I pull my face off. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> oh, whiskers. Who knew? Right? <laughs> right. We never imagine aliens with fur, do we? Um, I think they totally exist. Absolutely. And I'm not even saying that in a funny way. I think they, the idea that we're the only things floating around out here is completely insane. Right. I mean, that's ridiculous. Dream and just, yeah. aliens, and of course, we've had a lot of fun over the years with the idea of there being um, extraterrestrial life forms. Yes. And, and you can see them. Dreams of aliens have always been powered by the desire for human importance. I mean, in this, in the vastly distracting cosmos. And I really was a huge fan of Carl Sagan. Oh, yeah, he is up, so cool. Growing up. He's very cool. And I have to say, he was 
scientifically anyway, really responsible for getting me to think in such abstract terms of our existence, the plurality of existence in this in the cosmos. Well, and you and I have even had interesting conversations about alien, the alien topic where we always sort of circle back to the idea that we like to believe in things. We like to believe in the in the uh, imaginative insanity, the, the, the thing that's fringe. I mean, just, I don't like being just hyper skeptical. I don't like going through life that way saying, eh, that's not true. That's not true. I mean, and I guess you could be wrong from time to time, but you might be right. Well, humans want to be observed. I mean, by something other than ourselves so that we know we exist. <laughs> right? <laughs> Stop looking at me. <laughs> That's all I have to say. <laughs> well, what's interesting about the, the intrigue with the possibility of extra, extraterrestrial life is that unlike religion and nationalism or most any other conspiracy theory, life elsewhere in, in the vast universe it doesn't regard the human experience to be at the center of this unfolding of our story like we pretend to think that it is. So I have a question for you. Um, we've been talking a lot lately about the collective consciousness, the highest consciousness that we all share and that we all tap into. So if there are aliens, are they on the same consciousness? The, it's on the same consciousness. Well, there's. In, in Are our, they tapping into the same highest consciousness, or do they have that ability? I would say that when you look at ourselves in our own uh, awakened or unawakened state of being, yeah. that that would be, I think, predominant throughout the universe, because so consciousness too. is the awakened state of being that's oneness with the Creator, and so. Anything that exists within this universe has the potential of being one with Creator and therefore one with us. Mm. Because, in fact, you know, actually, when you think about the unfolding of the universe, the story, the narrative, of mm-hmm. whatever, whatever it may be, and I guess that's dependent upon who's telling the story. <laughs> yes. It, what happens is the idea of aliens displaces us. And, and we humans become, only for a brief moment, just these major players in a drama of almost this inconceivable scale hmm. as, uh, you know, we're now aware of the, the, the vastness of the cosmos. And, and so we are unfortunately through the, this, this process of uh, narcissistic self-discovery. And through the lens of some other perhaps more advanced civilization, we're just total losers, so just to the ego of the collective, game over. If there if there is life elsewhere that would be more advanced than us, I read somewhere that elephants respond to humans like they respond to their young, in the sense that it's almost as if they think we're cute, and that's how I think we would be seen <laughs> as as adorable. Like, oh, you guys are so cute. One would hope, right? <laughs> <laughs> but if okay, but let's talk about this just for one more second. So if they if the if the highest consciousness that higher consciousness is available universally then that means that the more evolved a civilization is 
the more that they will have tapped into that higher consciousness. So the more compassionate, mm-hmm. the more aware, the more full of wisdom, everything that we're chasing and, and wanting to discover. Um, because think about it, if we, if we continue down this kinetic belief path for the next thousand years, what would we look like? True. And that is, that's what the advancing of the universe is. It's becoming one with consciousness and unattached to forms, unattached to labels and the things that we can see in the, mm. the natural realm. <laughs> what a fun topic. Uh, but, you know, to the ego that we come in we we come into this game losing because the ego is attached to forms it's attached to an uh, a hierarchy mm. and so that's the lesson of the the game of measurement anyway it, because if well imagine this if we have if we are visited by aliens okay and they get here long before we're able to get there right wherever there is <laughs> yeah um if 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 they get here first, again, we're the losers, right? And but but if we're the ones making first contact, and that seems to be the way that the story is always told in media and movies, mm-hmm. and even in the media in the last year, you know, um, that's a new thing. The the possibility of tic tacs and and alien forms flying around here yeah. in our atmosphere. We're supposed to be looking for them out there somewhere. They're supposed to be the inferior ones. We're just trying to get to Mars. <laughs> right? Or get, just... get back to the moon. Yeah. Uh, but if we're the ones making first contact, mm-hmm. you see, then we're the advanced ones. Sure. And to the surprise of just few people, we're the advanced, we're the advanced ones. And the aliens are the uh, degenerate losers in that game. Right. So which, you're saying that's not happening because... Well, we, they've already been seeing some phenomena here. Well, I'm saying that that's been the expectation. Uh, just think, th- even with the conversation of poten- there being the potential of aliens elsewhere, well, we're the ones that have to discover them. Mm-hmm. You know, they couldn't be coming up from the center of our Earth. They oh, couldn't geez. have already been here all these years. And so they're, they're the, the inferior ones. But, you know, and, and, and this may be the reason that we dream about it is finding them, um, you know, far more than humans ever think about them finding us. Right. And, of course, when the aliens are the enlightened explorers, like it's been in the media over the past year, like, you know, they're a threat to us, maybe they're already here, then we're the degenerate losers. We're just the pond scum. They're the advanced ones. <laughs> But that's just the ego trying to find its place in the universe. But I like the ease of the word enlightened because that is an interesting point that it's always that topic is always uh, offered up to us as no matter what, it's definitely going to be a threat. It's going to be World Mm. War Five. It's going to be, you know, they've made so many movies about it. But enlightenment is something that mankind is just now getting its hooks in. We're at the at the end of something in a lot of ways, but we're also at the beginning of something in many ways. Sure, and that is for the collective, right? But, you know, for the for the kinetic believer, the unconditional love of oneness, like you were asking a minute ago, um, is higher consciousness the place where we're all ascending to that we'll communicate one with the other, yeah. regardless of where you are in the cosmos? Well, unconditional love of oneness with collective consciousness throughout the universe disregards the hierarchy of an imagined ego universe, which obviously is the plague of this planet. Mm. And so life, wherever it may be, exists within the order of one. Mm. One creator, one universe, 
one life. And each form relative to the diversity of creation is unified by one imagination in one universe. I do think that the most confusing part about um, our species would be pets. I think that would be the craziest part for someone else to come and another being to come and, and observe us the way that we treat our pets. I think that would be insane. I saw something the other day and it said, um, you know, dogs, because you feed them and water them and care for them and love them, they think you're God. And cats, because you feed and water and care and love them, they think they're God. <laughs> right. You know, all that would Either be way. it would be so true until the door of that uh, flying saucer opens up and out comes the little alien riding a Great Dane, and then all bets are off. Right? Yeah, I enjoy these conversations. <laughs> I do too because it's. I think it. I think it's always fun, no matter what the topic, to just speak to something that people have anything that that is presented or it has been presented as taboo. Mm-hmm. I think those conversations are always fun. It's like it's almost like stretching your your mental and spiritual legs. Like let's just dive in and talk about some some weird stuff for a minute. Many powerful things regarding the imagination. But you know something? I enjoy the imagination because alien conspiracy theories, like we're talking about today, yeah. that is the thing that keeps the uh, kaleidoscopic drama of ex- ex- existential existence just wonderfully alive. In the vernacular of the human experience. That's what I was going to say. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, silly, Maggie. Yeah, right. You know, one, of, one, of our, one of our listeners wrote in over the weekend asking, um, what are the five modalities of kinetic belief? Yes, I saw that. And so, hey, why don't we just cover those here? And I think it's probably a question that a number of our KBs or listeners, new listeners anyway, mm-hmm. perhaps have been um, asking And so while there are many, many insights to kinetic belief, and we do our best to cover them here on a daily basis, many insights. There are five basic modalities that the hundreds of additional insights can be categorized beneath those modalities. And for those of you who are um, ready to begin practicing kinetic belief, maybe you're new to the podcast, I do recommend that the the Law of Attraction Guided Journal – be something that you have in your possession sooner rather than later. And it is available on our website. I'm really glad that you're doing this because I was actually just thinking the other day about any time. I mean, it's not as if I still take, you know, violin lessons like I did when I was a kid. But if I ever go back into maybe a single or a, or a series of training sessions, I'm always I just think it's hilarious how they always immediately jump on some fundamentals that I'm messing up, like <laughs> some really basic stuff. It's never the advanced stuff. It's things that I've let let slip, you know, as, as I've played throughout the years and haven't had training over and over and over again. So I feel like this is what we're doing today. Like, let's revisit the fundamentals because we can get sloppy. The fundamentals for the KB and then for the new one, hey, this is advanced stuff. Yes. If you've not been around kinetic belief before, you uh, batten down the intellectual hatches because you're about to go on a journey. Let's do it. The guidance is in the the journal, and the reason I recommend it so uh, so strongly is that the guidance in it actually coaches you through the stages of enlightenment for about a hundred days. And I say for about because some people will skip a day, but it's a one hundred day guided journal for coaching you through those stages of enlightenment. Holding your hand, holding your your uh, intellectual uh, 
transcendent hand, I should say. Well, and I love the, that process of going through the journal because it doesn't feel like work. It's not something that you are just say, repeating a lot. It's something where it's almost as if it's... I don't want to say mindless. That's not right. But the growth is so simple. The growth is so easy. As long as you just write in it and read the daily instructions, you, you gain insights and you and you are able to grow and exponentially. I, I just, day one to day 100 is, is crazy. The you know difference. what's really funny about that is that enlightenment, growth, and development that transcends uh, the lower state of being is mindless. Right, that's true. Because you are See? putting the mind down. But the, the guidance was designed to where it supports you in the process of the conscious awakening. And we do have some advanced KBs who are on their fifth and sixth journals. Yeah. And the reason is because becoming enlightened changes your reality. And as your perspective changes, the way that you process the information in your day-to-day, uh, it's totally different than the way you processed information in a day that you lived 30 days ago. In other words, your perspective 30 days from now when you're working through the process of enlightenment completely changes. And so if you go back and you start on day one again, you're thinking about things totally different. And then the prompted guidance uh, assists you in the pursuit of that transitioning. And it helps you to um, regain your your. Uh, your sensory perceptions to be open to the guidance of yes. of transcending the the lower state of, of consciousness. So, the coaching, the guidance of awakening while journaling the process is highly effective, and so I do recommend it. So, the first modality to kinetic belief is desire. It's desire, and. Desire is often misunderstood as being something that you you just really want to happen. You know, I I really desire um, winning the lottery. Yeah, I wish uh, a lot of times. Wishful thinking, yeah. desire, misunderstood uh, in that way. Understanding desire uh, this way, in that you you really hope or really wish something really wish something would happen, is dangerously incorrect. A desire is a strong feeling for something to happen. And so it's a strong feeling, and that could be for a disaster. It could be for an impending doom of some sort, or it could be for something wonderful. Yeah. Either way, it's a desire. And so there's something happening. It may be good. It may be something bad. If, if there's a strong feeling attached to it, then it is a desire. And not knowing this is why bad things will continue to happen in a lot of people's lives. And it's it's because you expect them. Or you could say that, you know, they desire bad things to happen because they expect it. Now, and there's not just a play on words. Because um, the desire, if you look at language energetically, ah, now that changes things, doesn't it? Yes, yes. So a lot of people will grow up... Uh, Dreaming of roles that they would like to play, dreaming of lives that they would love to live, but they somewhere along the way give up expecting those dreams to come to pass. And so they cave in and they quit and 
they quit expecting those uh, potentially good desires to manifest. Well, what happened? It was by their own strength, their own wisdom, the endeavors of the egoic mind that they expected to get the results of their highest expectations. By my strength, my uh, uh, amazing ability, without the assistance of my Creator, without the super on my natural, I'm going to go out here and I'm going to make something happen. And then life happens. And the ego is responding to negative, uh, other negative desires, situations, people showing up and saying, well, who do you think you are? Mm. Let me tell you who I think you are. And then through the adhering and relying upon those labels, then the desire becomes something negative. So you have to look at um, language, actions, relationships, uh, your response to life energetically. Is it positive or is it negative? In other words, when someone is delighted with themselves and their own abilities, you're actually working within a negative energetic that is immersed totally in the egoic way of uh, self-realization. And so they're just established in their own uh, self-esteem. Well, and we're only on the first modality here, and it's already making it even more clear than ever that the that kinetic belief is a law, and it is a principle of the universe, and you can attach anything you want to to it. And I think when manifesting, that's something that I know I always have to be reminding myself of, that I have to actively be attaching specific things and entities and thoughts and ideas and imaginations and all you know, to the law of kinetic belief. Otherwise, the default is going to be all these negative energetics, and it is going to work. Kinetic belief will work in the in a horrible, d- destructive way. And it, it goes in either direction. Yes. And so we begin by recognizing and uh, looking within to see who we are, whose we are, what your genius of purpose is, where do you come from, where are you going, and accepting that because, well, it's like an old proverb which says to delight yourself in God and you will be given the desires of your soul. Mm. So it's in the proper placement of your delight, or as we'll find out in a few minutes, your gratitude that positions us to begin to receive the positive, good expectations of our desires to be manifesting into our lives. Now, is desire something that we're just supposed to keep an eye on, kind of like you told us one time to follow our curiosities? Or is this something that we are uh, self-perpetuating within ourselves, you know, making sure that we are are honing these desires and, and, and activating them. Right. Well, there's there are different types of, you know, again, desires so misunderstood. You can have a desire for lunch right now, <laughs> or you can have a desire to have your genius of purpose manifest into this life, Um Two different things, but they could fall into the same category, depending word, on what you're going to have for lunch. And the, and the word desire, I mean, it does give us, it can be very confusing if we don't reframe it like you're telling us to. Because obviously desire does feel like, because I mean, somebody can have a desire to be in a car accident. Mm-hmm. That's possible. Mm-hmm. And, and just even saying that sounds strange, because we are taught, taught that it's a wish, it's a want, and that's not what it is. I mean, just understanding even just the basic concept of it rearranges everything. Desire is an expectation. 
Yes. Desire is an expectation. It's not a, a it's not a, a wish. It's not hopeful uh, dreams. It's it is a expectation. So we begin the process with the first modality of recognizing what are the desires of your soul, the good expectations, your highest viewpoints, and we create those as articles of faith. That is a desire that I'm going to hold on to. That is an immutable part of me. I will refuse to allow that to be challenged or changed because it represents me. And so as a kinetic believer, I'm becoming, uh, there's a, a dogmatism that I'm attaching to this eternal desire that I am here to manifest into this world. And so what are the desires of your soul in that context? Your soul's desires equal everything that you secretly dream about, everything that you secretly hopefully, expectantly visualize or imagine to see in this life manifest. I have one more question about desire. So if like, let's say that I'm coming into kinetic belief, I'm a newbie, and I have all of these, uh, you know, I have all this trepidation about life, I go, I'm going through life fearfully, which means all of my desires are attached to negative energetics. Um, the, The gut reaction is going to be to, you know, really try to fix those negative energetics. But I would imagine that the only fix is to create and cultivate these highest viewpoints, and that will in, immediately mm-hmm. replace them organically. Right. And and it's probably more accurate to say, rather than all of your desires are negative, you are being, you're double-minded. You're not quite sure what to desire or what to make accommodations for. In other words, you can have a uh, high expectation and a wishful thought or dream, and then it is made vulnerable by the negative expectations of someone who has access to you. It could be a coach or a parent. It could be a sibling. It might just be a friend at work. And so you're right in that you begin to construct those desires according to your higher purpose. And you have to intimately know what that is and accept it as your identity. Because these kind of desires, they're not just far off impractical, wishful thinking, or impossible dreams. But they're deeply spiritual in nature. And even so, they are physical in form. Even if you can't see it yet, once you establish a desire in in this universe, within the ability of a, of a human being, with the ability to have an imagination and a desire and hold that, fixate on that, and have it manifest, it is in physical form when you develop that desire in the proper way. So in in quantum physics, for example, even though the desire begins as an archetype, every life unfolds from the uh, archetypal substance of desire, which has form. And maybe you desire to be married, or, or maybe you just want to have children. Perhaps you've always desired to start a business or maybe have financial freedom or some abundance in other areas in life. Is that your dream? I mean, whatever the desires of your soul are, first of all, know this, that it is never too late to manifest them. You know, no matter how old you are, no matter how long you've been waiting, you can live the life you've always dreamed of. 
And that is the unfolding of your highest desires. Well, and I love this interchangeability between desire and expectation, because we, you, we, you've definitely shown us on hundreds, literally hundreds of podcasts, how to cultivate an expectation, which in turn is how to, how to cultivate a desire. And I think that's going to be, I, we, we should not shortchange that concept, that skill set to be able to do that. Because when you have a negative energetic and it's attaching itself as a desire to you, we've all been there. We know what that feels like. And, it, and it's relentless. The thoughts are relentless. They are overpowering. It's like you're drowning in thoughts about this one thing. You become obsessive so easily. And when you obsess over something, you've already told us many times that that has so much power. You're putting so much energy behind those thoughts, and they keep flowing and flowing and flowing. And so knowing how to put a stop to it and knowing how to cultivate cultivate those positive energetics toward our desires is is huge. Yeah, a lot of confusion arises from – people not sure where their desires are even coming from. And the ego has a way of wanting to be told what to do, either from you or from someone else. It's looking for direction and guidance. It's looking for something to attach itself to, a, a label or a form to identify with. And so as a result of that, a lot of people are just asking the question and wondering if they're unique genius of purpose is actually something from them? Is it uh, an idea from the creator? Is it something coming in out of the universe? Or did they just happen to pick up a brochure the last time they were at the spa, and it seemed like a really good idea? Well, and that's that's something that I think, I don't know if everyone else has, but I certainly struggled with at the beginning of my kinetic belief journey, because you do have a sense that everything that's in your file box in your mind is from the neighbors or <laughs> a friend, someone, you know, it's just sort of monkey see, monkey do, but, you know, a, a hallmark, though, of connect believers is that we know ourselves. Right. We know but, our genius of purpose. We know ourselves so well. That's right. Because before you ever begin pursuing your soul's desires, you, you got to know if they line up with your creative genius of purpose or not. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you that the more time you spend seeking your highest authority from within, outside of influences from around you, the more certain that you're going to be that your soul's desires align with the dual purpose of what you were first imagined to be aligned with. And by dual, the duplicity of purpose is you are aligning with your creator's imagination for the reason for you to be here, to be an expression, a diverse uh, expression of another tacit Mm -hmm. of creation, unlike anyone else's similarities, but unlike. Because actually, look, when you accept your genius— what makes you you, what may have only been just glimpses of your higher nature before, you may just catch the little unctions that, oh, that seems like that thing would be really satisfying to me, glimpses uh, that you may have before you actually accept it. What happens, though, is by putting in the meditative work and being honest with yourself, your genius of purpose it ultimately becomes intimately, intimately clear to you, and you find the flow of you through the process. Mm-hmm. And then your desires are inspiringly delightful to the higher nature of your being, mm-hmm. and they become in sync with the universe. There's a flow to it, and things begin unfolding effortlessly, almost in a sweatless victory, you begin moving through this life. Wow. 
So the second modality of kinetic belief is imagination. Once you've determined the desire, now comes the imagination. And these modalities, the order that I want to give them out is intentional in that uh, they are most effective in the uh, labored process of the order that I'm going to give them. So imagination is number two. A manifesting journal is a collection of inner images. It is a collection of words, and it's a collection of objects that represent the dreams and the goals that you have for your life. And so not just the simple ones either, but also those that may seem impossible to you right now. A lot of people will start the process, as you know, Meg, and they will begin with the things that they think are reasonable. Yes. <laughs> I can see me doing this because I've got, I've got the money in my, my wallet. For right. It. I can, you know, the things that seem yeah. manageable. And that's not what we're talking about here. Not just those simple things. The a manifesting journal is a representation of the life that you've always wanted to live as it unfolds. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you may remember how profound your expectations for life was when you were a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dreams and imaginations. And those, all those things are placed inside of you by your Creator. You didn't just conjure up a dream when you were five years old. It was placed there by a higher authority that imagined you for the placement of that dream. So they are upheld dreams, imaginations, the first occurrence of those are upheld by the universe and established by you. They are the genius of your purpose for this life. Those imaginations with desires are your personal articles of faith. They're your spiritual guideposts for self-realization. I think it's interesting that you began this modality by um, sort of warning us against the, the, the knowing that, look, you're going to be very tempted to limit your imaginations to the things that you already possess. And for me, I, I've noticed too that it, I all, I, a lot of times I'll even limit my imaginations by the, like, for example, if you want to set a dollar amount, for mm-hmm. money you're going to possess. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it will be the dollar amount of the richest person you've ever known, you know, because mm-hmm. <laughs> you had an example. And so making sure that we're imagining even beyond our examples and we have no earthly, you know, previous life experience interference with our imaginations is huge. And I think the only way to do that is through the journal mm-hmm. because you have to establish these uh, um, desires from the universe and not what's sitting around you representing something that you're not. Sure. And in the way that we're coexisting with the genius, of, with our genius of purpose, in addition to the egoic state of being, in addition to our higher being, does require that there is a, a, a static possibility that needs it has to be imagined through and that's an egoic process like you're saying when we relate to the most the wealthiest person we can imagine well it's still a tangibility that we are applying to a possibility yes because even so the um 
the inner being, when, when you are working from within, untethered to the ego, is you are in a limitless place, mm-hmm. but limited in the ego. So how do we do this? <laughs> do we just not journal and say, I want it all. I want the whole universe. Well, that's not quite it, but that you're, you're headed in the right direction. Because to have an imagination for your future is imperative to manifesting that vision. Because if you don't have an imagination of where you want to go, and you are still having to, and it's just because of our state of being now, attach a limited perspective to it. You still imagine where you want to go. And if you don't have an imagination for it, it's very unlikely that you're going to go anywhere. You're going to continue to manifest what you already have. There's no imagination in the limited perspective of sight and touch and feel and experiential knowledge. We did a podcast recently on the power of following your natural curiosity. And I feel like this is exactly where that would fit in. Yeah, absolutely. Because with a natural curiosity, you're still creating a personalized imagination. And it's one that is personal to you. It's unlike anyone else's. And so it's not fleeting. And it's not likely to be double-minded by outside influencers. And all of this is so vital, Meg, to getting on track to living the life you've always desired. And so we have desire. First, work on that, determine your desire, and then begin to apply the imagination to the highest viewpoint of what that desire is. You know, at the very beginning of the podcasts here, this, so this would have been a few years ago, actually, you would give the analogy of kicking a soccer ball down a field and, and explain kinetic belief that way. And I feel like the modalities perfectly align with that analogy because you can so easily see someone taking, well, I guess some people call it a football, soccer ball, football, but you every kick is a modality. And you have to go through that kinetic process. You have to keep using each modality to infuse energy again and again and again to this imagination Mm -hmm. to reach the goal, to get it into the goal. And so I feel like this maps it out for us even better. You know, where is that kinetic energy going and when are we even activating it? Right. That's the pursuit of the dream, the soccer ball being the imaginative desire. And you kick it as far as you can and it's still limited, isn't it? Because it will start to roll to a stop, but in your pursuit of it, you're going to give it another swift kick and you're going to continue to pursue that. Mm -hmm. Even though it is limited in its distance, the kinetic energetic involvement of you in pursuit of that dream keeps moving it forward. Mm -hmm. And even though it's benchmarked by time, your moment as you pursue that so-called soccer ball dream with another swift kick, you are remaining focused, intently focused on your purpose and moving your journey along. Well, the reason that understanding this process is so vital is because at some point the endorphin-based enthusiasm for a goal will wane and it does wear out and i and i've always loved kinetic belief as the it's the answer it's the answer when you don't feel like it when you aren't at the beginning of the journey and everyone's rooting for you and cheering for you no this is kinetic belief ultimately kicks in i think when we are sitting alone in our house feeling uninspired and we know what to do we know how to do the right thing 
one of the most powerful ways to keep that enthusiasm from waning and becoming a, a, a process that's just wearisome is to remain in gratitude, which is our third modality. Remain <laughs> yes. grateful in all things. If there was ever a time when we needed to focus on being grateful, it's now. Yes. The manifesting power of gratitude is the most important compass for directing the circumstances and relationships in a person's life. Almost everywhere you look, people are being encouraged to be pessimistic, aren't they? Mm, yes. I mean, and to complain about this, the state of our world. If you do, I'm telling you, you're going to get more of what you complain about. Mm-hmm. And the way to redirect your life from any circumstance is to purposefully observe and intensify through gratitude the good things that your life force, the essence of your higher being, is delighting in, and to focus on what the universe has expressively revealed for you to enjoy, that soccer ball, and remain transfixed on it through your journaling process to continue in your kinetic energetics toward manifesting more life, more excitement, more uh, fulfillment. Gratitude's a funny thing. The way that it affects your mind, your outlook, your perspective, and then everything that's flowing to you and out of you. It, I'm reminded of a really impactful conversation that I had with my great grandfather before he passed, and um, it was I asked him about the Great Depression because he had lived through it, and uh, I, you know, said, "How did you survive it?" And he just sort of laughed and he said. We were farmers in Georgia. We had so much food and nothing. He said nothing changed. And it was, he said, we felt for everyone else, but he said we were so blessed. And and if anything, we had more abundance than ever. And I just, I'd never even heard about a perspective like that Mm -hmm. on that era. And overlaying that with our own life, we, we, that can go in so many positive directions. I think farmers are some of the most inherently uh, uh, people filled with more gratitude than most yes. farmers are. Don't you think so? Yes. Yeah. Because, you know, complaining and failing to be grateful never manifests good results. I mean, gratitude is the outward connection to abundant life. Gratefulness nurtures the way by providing the space Mm. and the way for healing and the manifestation of miracles. Gratefulness is absolutely the expectancy that improves relationships. It increases contentment. It wards off depression. Gratitude reduces stress and it promotes generosity and positivity and it makes it makes you more likable. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I want to hang out with somebody that's grateful. And most important of all, the love and the light that is emitted attracts more of the same to it. And with it, the substance of things that are hoped for begin to manifest in that person's life. I've always loved the process of gratitude in that you have to come up with something to be grateful for. And so it inherently forces you to pause and take stock and take stock and take stock of all the good things in your life. And it's not just I'm grateful, but it forces you into this perspective of seeing things, making sure you're seeing the things that you have actually already manifested uh-huh. that are around you. So true. But you're just grateful for the, for the life force in your hands, mm-hmm. within your body, just for awareness, mm-hmm. for your presence of being. Yeah. Be grateful because I am, therefore I am. No matter what's going on, there is always something to be grateful for. So many somethings, in fact. Most of those can be found in the world around you, like you're saying. Mm. You know, we took we, we take a nature walk, a nature hike in the morning, and 
just the, the smallest wildflower, and you'll point out the, the little pinwheel mm-hmm. of the purple in the center of it, and we'll pause and become so grateful for the beauty <laughs> of that small flower. I had a moment this morning, the dishwasher was running, and the dryer was running, and the washing machine <laughs> was going all at once. And I just had it, it just washed over me. I was so grateful that I didn't have to do all that by hand. <laughs> Because it hasn't one. been that long that where one, laundry <laughs> was life. You know, oh, it's laundry day. I'll be back in 48 hours. Absolutely. I'm there, going to the creek. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's, there, you never find it difficult to find things to be grateful for. Do you, do you also find that as you move deeper into gratitude, it makes you more aware of the negative energetics that you almost feel like it's a sinkhole, you know, that you're sort of keeping your distance from? Because I think before, prior to kinetic belief or when you're out of that higher consciousness, you can kind of slip into the negative complaining energetics and not quite realize it. But man, when you're participating in kinetic belief gratitude every day, this, the contrast is just so stark. I think whenever we stop and pause and reflect on it, we definitely see the, the contrast. Yeah. We can see, you know, we can remember and reflect on it. But I have to say that through the practice of gratitude, it's the consciousness of negativism actually melts away. Yes. And you find yourself just being grateful for all things, in all things practically, because the negative is no longer in mm. my peripheral. It's not in my yeah. my uh, expectations. And so I'm not it's going like, on a nature walk going, I don't like that. I don't like that. And I really like that. <laughs> Stupid flower. <laughs> <laughs> what? I hate that color. Okay, you need a <laughs> minute, do dude. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting. I feel like you just described a very real momentum that you get when you when you start practicing gratitude. Mm-hmm. It, it starts layering in and building on itself. Right, because the way forward to increase is through the gratitude for what you desire to imagine, to manifest in, in the present tense of the moment that you're occupying. And that means right now. So every day you can choose to be grateful. And, and not just as a general feeling either, but directing your gratitude to the oneness who is, uh, as the Bible says, is the giver of every good and perfect gift. Mm. That's reason enough right there. If you grab onto that, to be grateful for awareness, grateful for being. So the fourth modality We'll move on here. The fourth modality is words. And words are so powerfully important, aren't they? Yes. What is the first thing that you say? And this is a question I think, you know, write this down, guys, gals, people. (laughs) What's the first thing that you say when you get bad news? Because, look, seriously, it matters far more than you may realize. Every person has a, a sentient ability to feel good or bad according to the words that they uh, are speaking mm-hmm. and that have been spoken, the words that you're hearing. And so the release of a thought through the sound of a word, it has a creative power unlike just about anything else. In quantum mechanics, words have a measurable substance. I mean, you can see it, and it's, it's uh, quantifiable. And it's a substance. And so with the original intent established behind the belief of a word, something is transitioning in within this universe every time a word is spoken. 
And yes, every time. There is no neutrality in this. You're participating in the game of words. And so the cognitive thought form behind the word establishes the substance with creative power. Whenever I um, meditate on the five modalities of kinetic belief, I always think of words as sort of the nuclear option. Like, of all the modalities, this is the one where, you know, you can do yourself a, a lot of good by keeping your mouth shut because words are so powerful and they are so impactful. And I have to say, if I get what seems to be bad news and if I don't have an automatic positive response about to just burst out of me, I at least don't say anything until I have one. That is the place to start, isn't it? If you can't say something good, what did mama say? Don't say anything at all. (laughs) Or mama, you should have said that if you didn't. (laughs) Next time you have an opportunity, speak up. Because that's the creative power of words, because they can cement your defeat Mm -hmm. or establish you in victory in this life. So we've got, now we're working on desire. We've got the imagination uh, cooking. And we've got uh, gratitude in all that we're doing. And something happens and we say the worst, most uh, untasteful thing that we could possibly think of to say. And, and stupidly, we undo everything we were working on. Well, and I love that you use the word cement, that words are going to cement your decision because it's important to reframe what seem like problems as simply you're, you're being offered an opportunity to cement an outcome because that's coming back to us. That's, com- that's mm-hmm. our responsibility. And so I always view it as just, you know, two paths. And, and our words are going to determine which path we walk. Well, this is one of the first things that a KB learns to do going through the guided uh, journal as well. It is that learn to recognize the first words that come out of your mouth. Yes. In a crisis, for example, first words are often emotion-driven, and without any kind of pre-thought or meditative thought, they are just, you know, whatever you're feeling, and it's the emotion of the moment, and you form it with the words that you speak. And so they come in a moment of venting before moving into problem-solving mode, and that is natural. But it's how most people respond to trials, and this is so telling, and that's why I even bring it up, because... What you say in an unexpected instance like that should be your first warning sign, Mm -hmm. because anything that is a natural response is almost always a lower state. It is an unawakened response to the situation, and it's going to be it's going to reveal where you are in your state of consciousness. If you are unawakened, you're going to say things that you (laughs) you probably shouldn't be saying. I am often amazed at the first response that you'll hear from people on social media, like when a whale breaches near their boat. I I won't even repeat what they say. And you're wondering, where? I know they're they're, they're not watching Hallmark. Where are you? (laughs) That's why I watch all the Instagram videos with the the volume down. I can't stand it. Or we were talking about UFOs, and you see these guys, they're out there holding a camera up at the night sky, and they see this light darting around. And, And... what they say when they're surprised by that. It's its remarkable. I love how you're like, what, what is your response when you're being abducted? <laughs> yeah, what are you going to say? <laughs> because that should be a warning. That's a warning sign to you. <laughs> you're like, red flag, guys. That's funny. But what somebody says in their natural responses to life, really, it, it really is a, a big deal. It, it is because the creative power of your words in a crisis or when you're surprised or 
you know, just at any regular common everyday event can either assure what manifests next in your life is going to be negative against you or it's going to be positive in favor of your expanding abundant life. A funny um, thing happened to me when I was, you know, early on in the kinetic belief years and, you know, I've been really working on my words like we're talking about and my reactions, my instinctive reactions, trying to, to retrain myself and I um, was installing some shelves or something in a, in a new apartment I had, and I hit my thumb, you know, with a hammer, like the quintessential hammer hit on the thumb. And instead of, you know, exploding with explicits, I went, ah, I'm healed. <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember laughing so hard. <laughs> that's what came out of my mouth. Yes. Like, you know, God, you're doing good, good you. when that's, that's, that's what's happening. Yeah, as funny as that is, that could not be more uh, powerfully true. Well, I got to tell you, it did not turn black, so... Something happened. And I've seen you do that many times when you stump your toes around. <laughs> I've seen you every day <laughs> every when day you injure you're, yourself. You're hitting another nail yeah, with a yeah. hammer. <laughs> right. Like it or hate it, believe it or not, your words matter in that they establish the life you will experience. Yes. Words, especially first words, and that's what we'll call them, they set creative laws in motion in your life. And the universe was designed this way mm. with human beings in mind. That's how it was designed. Words are the rocket fuel that determine life forms and the empirical results that you're going to get in this life in one way or the other. And so desire, imagination, gratitude, words, and then the last basic modality of kinetic belief. Again, there are additionally hundreds of subside insights, subset insights rather, beneath each modality. But for today's purposes, the last of the five modalities is action. I had a, one final question about words. Um, you were mentioning first words, which I, which I think is a really beautiful concept. And I'm wondering, do they have such a great impact because of the the initial energy and emotion behind them when you when you first react to something? Or is it just because you're not having to, you know, retroactively undo all the damage that your initial words have done? Well, the the the, the reason words are so powerful is because certainly there's an energetic, there's a either a positive or a negative energetic with the word, but it's also uh, an implied thought form that has to be created and suggested intellectually or, or mentally. There is an imagination. There's an archetype of a form that you're pulling out of the universe and attaching an energy with it and then giving it substance into your presence, into the state of expectations that will manifest either for you or against you. And that's why first words, are you saying that's why first words are different than what we speak later? First words are revealing. It's what I'm saying. First words will reveal to you where, if anywhere, you need to do some work. Because if it's if your first words aren't negative when you're surprised, then mm. that means that you came into that surprising moment uh, immersed in ego, yeah. attaching yourself to forms and what you see, and you are out of the manifesting state of increasing your life according to what you imagine to see. Mm -hmm. And that's what a KB is doing. We're, we are in the process of spending most of our moment time expecting what you cannot see, drafting and blueprinting a life that is bigger and more in abundance, advancing the mind, soul, and body toward perfected completion, not living by what we see or feel or hear or taste. But if you are in that egoic state of being where you are identifying with these forms and labels, 
then first words are going to reveal that to you quicker than anything else. I love the uh, the growth mindfulness that's threaded through all of these modalities today because if you're not achieving all the modalities in the way that you want to, I, I like that you're you're not representing those as failures. They it's actually a positive. It's it's an exciting thing. You know the crack to fix. Mm. You know you know you know the response that we you need to work on in the journal. And so I just find all of this incredibly uh, not just inspiring but empowering to to so that we know where to go and what to how to how to work through this. First words being revealing where you are is inspiring because you can rewrite your story this afternoon. You're never a victim to circumstances or a victim to your past or what you've been defined as or not as. You can change it like any moment. And that's why it's so good to be able to navigate as you go and to tack and to change course and to rewrite your story like we're talking about. Wow. Action. Fifth one. So while your inner genius of purpose, the you, that is the stuff of you, the eternal stuff of you that you come into the land of the living with, you drop in from the, the ethereal into the natural. That stuff of you has nothing to do with how you identify with labels and forms, the, where you go from that moment on. And so the purpose of the eternal essence of you is to transcend time with your awareness. Your outer purpose involves the future because it's somewhere you're going. You're going to manifest. Our outer purpose is manifesting uh, circumstances, friends, forms, things into this life that we are uh, passionate about. And so that's our outer purpose. It's involving the future. And so uh, it could not exist without time. But the outer purpose that we're experiencing through awareness, through curiosities, through the perfecting of talents and those things, it's always secondary to your enlightened creative life. So whenever you become anxious, for example, or stressed, let's kind of in the same context as first words for the revealing part of this. If you're anxious about something, if you're stressed out about whatever, this is a sign that your outer purpose has taken over and you've lost sight of your inner genius of purpose. And now you're in a hurry and you're worrying and you're measuring, and you are developing uh, cognitive reasonings. You're meddling, you're manipulating, and all these other things which cause the anxiety and the stresses. So you've forgotten that your awakened state of consciousness is primary, and everything else is secondary to your primary purpose. You know, this uh, today's podcast is also revealing in just such a stark way why people who have not awakened are why their lives have are are so destructive and so dark and so depressing and and their energetics are so negative because all of these modalities are working they're at work in their life and and I'm just seeing how powerful these are and that they can be flipped to the other side is wild and and it's just something to be I love being reminded of this that there is no neutral in the in the realm of belief and in the in higher consciousness, we we have to understand the consequences of of not paying attention to these. There's nothing neutral, and nothing stays the same. In that there is no neutrality in this. Things are always changing, developing, growing, or diminishing. So somebody says, "Well, I want to know how to manifest a miracle to attract new things into my life, 
determine what actions you can take to engage the kinetic energy necessary to propel your beliefs toward the substance of what you desire. You've got your desire. You have your imagination. You've been journaling it out. You've been uh, expressively blueprinting exactly what it is. You've got your gratitude in place. And you've been learning the new language of the life that you perceive. And now you're in the state of action. And so you're determining the actions that you can take in chasing after that soccer ball, one (laughs) swift kick after another to propel that kinetic energy forward toward the substance of what you desire. I have to say, this is my favorite modality. This is my favorite part because I think this is so fun. Using your creative thinking abilities and your highest consciousness to infuse action in realities of your life is so fun. I mean, from, you know, buying, I think we've talked before, you know, if you want to form a new relationship, you just proactively buy the extra movie ticket or, you know, going and and test driving a car, going to look at something that you see in your life in the future. Because for me, it's those actions that have consequences, positive consequences that we never see coming. And so the action is just sort of like, it's light, it's the lighting of the fuse and Mm -hmm. you don't know in what direction it's going to go, which I just find, oh, so thrilling and so exciting. Yeah, go ahead and get the driver's gloves, you know, before you get the <laughs> yes. car, prepare the way and do the action. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it is not so the specific action. It's the energetics of the expectation through, the, that is the action yeah. that's drawing energetically, kinetically speaking, the manifestation of whatever it is toward you as you're moving toward it. Mm-hmm. If if you need something new to show up in your life, maybe it's money, health, uh, a friend, whatever the miracle may be, you need to know this, that miracles, which are simply things manifesting from out of the ordinary, miracles are not just hit or miss. Like a lot of people, well, you got lucky. No, that's not it. You can tap into a miracle. KBs are miracle workers. Mm, I love that. The Creator doesn't just sometimes decide to do a miracle and sometimes not to. The substance of anything that you could ever think of or imagine is always ready to manifest a miracle into your life. That's a perfect I am affirmation. I am a miracle worker. That's I can great, say that it? all day. <laughs> because, yeah, and here's the key to all of this. You are, look, you're not a spectator. You are an active participant. And if you need a miracle in your life, whatever it is, the action is the, it's the fifth modality that activates kinetic belief. If you need to attract something new into your life, get off the couch, get involved, and manifest your desire. The, the difference between receiving a desire and not receiving one often comes down to the action of your willingness your willingness to go rather than waiting to see. And I'll also tell you this. Action, the kind of action that we're talking about, is not getting up earlier, swinging the hammer harder, driving faster, getting there earlier, and leaving later. It's not studying harder and working harder. That's not the kind of action that we're talking about. It is the expectant gratitude of willingness. Action, There, there is an active uh, participation in a willingness to wait, for example. Mm. Probably the hardest thing, honestly. The, that's probably the hardest action <laughs> to initiate. Is to be patient. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> out of all of them. Is to be patient because kinetic belief, look, it, it's the match that ignites patience. 
because you are actively engaged in your imagination. You're actively engaged in your desire. You're actively engaged in your the journaling process, in your gratitude, in the words that you speak. So you're not sitting doing nothing. There is an active participation in a willingness to be patient. And so patience keeps your desires, imaginations, gratitude, and your words strong until you cross the finish line of manifestation. Mm. Wow. Every, every successful, powerful, super manifester has developed the kind of patience that knows that if, if you imagined you received it, you already have it. So what are you anxious for? If you already have it, what are you waiting for? It's only to the onlooker that they would say, you're, you're, <laughs> you really are peculiar in your, the way that you can be so patient waiting for something to show up. But what they don't understand is that you already have it. You already see it. You can taste it. You can touch it. So patience is just a matter of time passing by while you enjoy the thing you imagine to receive. I love that. I love the idea that following these five modalities, modalities is really just the kinetic believer living out our existence, living out our life from the true eternal realm where everything does exist for us and where our belief is so real in the miracles we are miracle workers and it's not in this this base realm where nothing is really showing up that's that's really cool to sort of project yourself every day into that it is because, and so many things begin to happen, don't they, from this place? Because this is where some of the subset insights begin to come in and take place, like mm. peace and joy and happiness mm. and all these other tangibilities, because there's a substance to all of that. They're coming from within, because the active patience of kinetic belief will guard you from your feelings mm. and from negative emotions, and it will transcendentally keep you from watching the clock, from from being uh, in time awareness. Mm. Tick tock, tick tock. <laughs> actively speaking, just let patience have her perfect work of attracting the blooms of your dreams into your life. The fullest manifestation of you is up to you. Mm. Paulo Coelho, who wrote in his novel, he the alchemist, he said that people are capable at any time in their lives of doing what they dream of. By refusing to quit, when, when, when you hear on the news and everybody else that you meet talking about how there's a pandemic and you refuse to quit by never giving up when they say there's no way, by not listening to words of doubt, worry, and fear, you lean toward the stars of everything being possible, not because of anything else, but simply because you dared to desire when they said that you're crazy. You dared to imagine when they said it's not possible. I mean, you dared to be grateful when they said, look how bad everything is. You dared to speak words of belief when they said you'll never make it. You dared to take action when everybody else went home. These are the five modalities of kinetic belief, and they are a, they're a contradiction to the things that you'll see and you'll hear in the world around you. And it's the contradiction to the life that you've been experiencing that you desire. So embrace the contradiction and become the exception. Well, let's work on some highest viewpoints. Oh, and yeah. Just say this out loud. Say, I am receiving new and inspired 
I am receiving new and inspired imaginations for my best life. Imaginations for my best life. My creator. My creator. Imagine me to prosper. Imagine me to prosper. So I deserve everything I desire. So I deserve everything I desire. I love who I was created to be. I love who I was created to be. Unconditionally. Unconditionally. So today. So today. Right now. Right now. I am advancing. I am advancing to become a better. To become a better. A healthier. A healthier. A stronger. A stronger. A happier. Happier. A wiser. A wiser. A more peaceful. A more peaceful. Me. Me. I deserve to attract unconditional love. I deserve to attract unconditional love. Just for who I am. Just for who I am. Because I am love. Because I am love. I am happiness. I am happiness. I am health. I am health. I am wise. I am wise. I deserve to attract the substance of happiness. I deserve to attract the substance of happiness. Because I only imagine. Because I only imagine. To be happy. To be happy. I deserve to attract success. I deserve to attract success. Because I only imagine. Because I only imagine. I only desire. I only desire. I am so grateful. I am so grateful. And I speak the words. And I speak the words. And I put forth action. And I put forth action. <laughs> to become abundantly successful. Mm, to become abundantly successful. Life is so beautiful. Life is so beautiful. I look for the beauty that I imagine to see. I look for the beauty that I imagine to see. And so. And so. Thus. Thus. It surrounds me. <laughs> it surrounds me. Everywhere I go. Everywhere I go. Wow, the five modalities of kinetic belief, desire, imagination, gratitude, words, and action. If you do want to check out the guided journal that we discussed in today's podcast, you can do that at stephencanyon.com. It's like we took a beautiful cosmos ride through the stars and planets today. Yes, I loved all of our little pit stops along the way. It was fun. <laughs> hey, and if you want to go for the ride again, I do have to ask that you please get off the ride, get back in line. <laughs> And we would still love to accommodate you for another journey through the cosmos. Yes. Buckle up. <laughs> Sending out much love and light to all the KB creators all around yeah. the world. We'll see everybody back here tomorrow. And thanks, as usual, Stephen, for all the wisdom. Bye. <laughs>